voice search for shopping by 2022 is estimated to be worth $40 billion. Hello and welcome back to Marketing Trek, the podcast for professionals with a passion for marketing and communications. This is where the best minds in the industry explore the hottest trends in marketing and discuss the pitfalls companies and professionals need to avoid. Yet it doesn't matter how many times I say that, it doesn't get any better. We really must do better with our idents. My name is Dominic Halls. I am the Group Chief Executive Officer at Selby Anderson, which is a fast, fast growing marketing services group. Last week on the podcast, I spoke to John Paul Toynton, CEO of CloudMoves, and to Rupert Rickson, founder of Perspective Pictures, and we spoke about video. In the episode, I learned all about the exciting world of interactive video. I got an understanding of what professionals need to do to stand out in an ever-changing and increasingly saturated video market, and we discussed whether YouTube has finally lost it to TikTok. Check the episode if you haven't already. On today's episode, we're talking about voice and noise. It's fair to say that audio has firmly entered the mainstream. Nearly 40% of people in the US listen now to at least one podcast monthly, and 25% of people in the UK are now regular podcast listeners. By the end of 2022, podcasting is projected to reach 2 billion in ad revenue, and by 24, that's gonna double, 4 billion. So podcasting is popular among listeners, and advertisers. But of course, there's more to audio than podcasting. In 2020, there were 4.2 billion digital voice assistant devices like Siri or Alexa being used. That's 4.2 billion. And even then, over 20 hours a week of live radio was still listened to by 89% of the UK population. You know, these stats tell us it's a boom time for audio. But with more advertisers, creators, users and listeners entering the world of audio all the time, how should brands and companies go about getting their message heard? To find out, I spoke to three experts in audio. Coming up later in the podcast, you're going to hear me speak to Dan Ellis, Managing Director at Orchid, where we discuss why voice is in its infancy and the exciting barrier-breaking potential it holds for disadvantaged people. I'm also going to be speaking to audio producer Harry Radcliffe about how noise and sound can influence the mind and our emotions. But first, I sat down with my friend Mark Isle, who was at Orchid but has now sadly moved on. In the upcoming conversation, Marco and I talk about the growth of voice-assisted technology, why we're in an audio age. But first, I wanted to get an understanding of what audio branding really is. So audio branding is using sound to define or reinforce a company's identity. And that can be through music or voice artistry or sonic logos or earcons, they're sometimes called. The most popular would be like a sonic logo. So you think it's like a short melody or sound. And probably one of the most famous examples is... I want a Big Mac. That's almost as synonymous as the Golden Arches are. Like Netflix's, ta-dum. You hear that and you go, yep, Game of Thrones or whatever's coming on. So I think that's really important. And audio existed for forever. But ultimately, with visual, whether it's uh, video-based or image-based marketing, you have to have the attention of the user's gaze. Whereas audio can transcend those things because it's got a stronger cognitive connection uh, between memory and sound than visual does. And it can actually change the way we feel. We've all been there. If you hear a 
a song it automatically transports you to that moment in time it might be where you've met your love or it was on the radio when your child was born or whatever it might be there was actually a, a report by spotify and they said that audio ads are memorable and motivational and they drive 24% higher recall than display ads and are twice as likely to lift purchase intent. I can't think of anyone that doesn't love music of some genre because it invokes mood. That's why they use music in films, let's face it. I've got some really cool stats from PH Media Group about how consumers believe music used in marketing is more memorable than visuals. That's 66% of people that were questioned believe that and 60% believe business is uh, sound more professional with exclusively composed tracks and ultimately music helps you forge that emotional connection with a brand obviously there's positive and negative connotations by using audio in that way which is why a lot of companies actually employ specific agencies to create their own melodies that are familiar but also original because there's nothing worse than having a song that some people might negatively relate to being related to your brand because every time you hear it indirectly you're thinking oh it's making me miserable then you relate that to the brand even though that's not necessarily the case there's a lot of positive things that people are doing i use like paypal and, and ebay and etsy and every time i get a sale like selling a hat or a patch or whatever i get a cash register sound so i know i've got a sale but you just hear a thing in this, this association through sound which is really cool which is how all those big companies work mcdonald's or coca-cola or i think mastercard have actually just introduced a, a new melody that makes a little noise so it knows that the transaction has been successful so it's like filling out a form online if you go through and you fill it all out and then nothing happens you don't know if it's been sent into the ether or anything you need constant feedback and using sounds in these clever ways allows you to do that what's so fascinating about audio branding techniques is that when done right it kind of goes almost unnoticed if you ask a person on the street to give you examples of audio branding they might even struggle to think of any but they're so iconic they're so ingrained in our subconscious and they're so ubiquitous that mcdonald jingle that marco mentioned for example like everyone knows it it makes me wonder why it's such an underutilized technique and i wanted to ask marco about this i think it's just education potentially they're not seeing the potential a lot of companies are stuck in their ways they don't like change I love voice, but then it has its frustrations as well. Voice assistants and all these voice activated technologies are only as good as the programming and team behind it. Because ultimately, these assistants, whether it's Siri or, or Alexa or Bixby or Google Assistant, they're kind of like the front of house. They're the things that all the users see. And I hate Siri. Just it doesn't work very well, right? But it's not necessarily Siri that doesn't work. It's how it's been conversationally programmed behind the scenes. I wanted to learn more about this voice age we're entering. In the next section, Marco also talks about how audio can improve the quality of people's lives by making life simpler. And he ends on a staggering statistic about the estimated worth of V-commerce. That is voice search shopping. So make sure you stick around for that. Ultimately, we're in an age of audio. This is why Amazon wants you to buy their products because everything's voice enabled. It's all data driven. They're consuming all the data to make more informed decisions. But ultimately, the whole point of all of this stuff with technology as a blanket is it's supposed to give us more time because that's the only thing we can't control at the moment, right? It's time. Everyone's super busy. Like you said, you dictated your email because it's just easier, right? So 
assistants, virtual assistants, and, and the things you use throughout your household and in your car or workplace, all these things are there to aid you and help you just be a better version of yourself. Ultimately, it's like a Marvel comic or something. You're being the best version of yourself, integrating technology into humanity. Literally 50% or more now of all Google searches is done with voice. And that is mainly driven by the millennials. I was in Malta recently and my niece, who's eight or nine the way she was interacting with youtube she wasn't typing anything in she was just speaking to it and doing searches that way and i mean i didn't even have a bloody mobile phone until i was 18 and it was one of those motorola flip things and you, and you couldn't do anything on it other than call your mum and now kids are just i mean my little one who's two and a half she gets the apple tv remote and asks for peppa pig if you think the economy is global but our ability to communicate isn't. So with AI powered speech and how you can have speech uh, synthesis and uh, morphing, you can actually speak in one language, but it translates globally. You know, they're doing that at the moment. So that reduces barriers and you're able to converse with the world essentially. And then the other thing is the empowerment that voice gives for example my parents generation right it has a democratizing effect so it levels the playing field because my my father for example is absolutely useless hopefully he won't hear this podcast in whatsapp you'll see so and so is typing and we we make a joke it's like dad is typing like we can go and do like a three-hour ragu and then come back and he's still typing and all he's written is okay uh, and i always say to him just use the, the microphone and just record what you're saying it's so much easier for you and i think the fact that everyone can converse there's no barrier to entry when you use voice because if the behind the scenes you know, the AI's ability to understand interpret real time as we do because as humans we listen simultaneously as working out what we're going to reply with and that's where we want to get to with voice rather than it being like hey Siri turn the lights on and talking of e-commerce don't you mean v-commerce Dan <laughs> voice search voice search for shopping by 2022 is estimated to be worth 40 billion my next guest on the podcast is Dan Ellis. Now, Dan is Managing Director of Orchid. Orchid is an amazing digital product development company. They serve blue chip international businesses, venture-backed private businesses. They're basically experts on building and deploying digital products. And they always have their ears to the future for emerging technologies, especially Dan. Now, if you follow Dan on LinkedIn, as I do, and I've got to know Dan pretty well over the years and we sort of work together, he's a bit of a futurist. He's always got his eye on what's coming next. And in our conversation, Dan outlines different ways companies can utilize audio to speed up and improve their processes. And I also get an insight into how voice can break down barriers for disadvantaged people. But first, before we think about the future, I wanted to get an understanding of where we are right now. Voice is in its infancy. It's accelerating at such a pace that the world of Alexa and Siri and others have really accelerated where we are today, but it's nowhere near its full potential. And like anything else, bringing it back to the world of web, we've learned over the last 20 years and really transformed the way we do business and how we interact with one another. Let's start thinking about what is a brand? What's its purpose? When we engage with a brand, it instills confidence. If we can see and physically feel that brand, we know what we're engaged with, what quality of product, service, whatever it might be. And the soundbar or the emotion, the idea of McDonald's or whoever else creating their own tune that you can hear instills the confidence that you do not have because you lack the visibility of the brand. So actually, if you can hear it and resonate it to know you're in the right place, right time, that just helps that confidence for the customers to continue those particular journeys. It's so interesting to hear Dan say that voice is in its infancy. 
With the previously mentioned voice-assisted technologies taking over the world, and with podcasting firmly becoming a, a part of the mainstream, how can we explore voice further? How do we unlock its potential, especially in, from a workplace perspective? I asked Dan about this, and here's what he had to say. So as a bit of a background here in the story, so we are currently engaged with the wonderful Team Brit. And for those who do not know of Team Brit, they are the first fully disabled team in the world of GT motorsports to competitively race. And their ambition is to race Le Mans in three years' time. Just absolutely inspirational. They've engaged with Orchid from a creative and technological standpoint to help them bridge the gap and provide equal opportunity. So that is smart enabling technology, creativity, the ideation to really help them on their day-to-day and meet their ambitions. When we were engaged with them, they're talking about visual impairment, physical impairment, actually what could voice really do in this world for example so i've witnessed it firsthand with customized hands steering wheels i've seen engines switched around and pedals left to right and completely customized models i've even seen start and stop change gears through sucking and blowing through tubes just imagine the possibilities of voice and what that could do in terms of its potential in terms of not just in the car but in the, the pit lanes and translating all this information and just through voice changing demands and commands to see how each of the teams are performing and where they're going. I think the voice is a true aspect of unlocking their true potential. It's an exciting place to be. Wow. You know, Dan, that is so inspiring. It's so easy to forget the difference these technologies can make for people. It's not just about how we can make our own private lives more comfortable. Voice can break down barriers for so many disadvantaged or disabled people. And I can see now why Dan's so excited by the future of voice. In the current climate, marketing is hard. But do you know what isn't hard? Making sure you never miss an episode of your favourite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much. So in the final section of my conversation with Dan, I wanted to get an understanding of how voice can assist B2B companies right now by expediting and simplifying work. There's lots of potential in the utility space. I'm talking to a couple of customers and with the potential of voice. So for example, an engineer out in the field might have one hand at the back of a boiler, for example, whilst another one holding a very important tool. And a lot of our customers that we engage with utilize step-by-step guides to help them going through that process. Actually, if this was voice enabled to talk through your steps of a particular boiler in this example, you can actually guide your engineers through that practice and give them access to information at any given time. We can't control time, but actually what voice really starts to do is another form of accessibility to data at hand. It means therefore we can be smarter in our daily workplace, that we can automate and maximize the time we have given and just work that much smarter. So I use those voice um, notes to share with my colleagues. Internally, we're working a little bit more remotely these days also with partners for briefings. Um, And why do I do that? One was because first and foremost, it was because of the ease of quickly a 30 second audio post shared with a partner to whatever the information I want to portray. Actually, what's the hidden value in that? The written word, you can see it, you can misinterpret your emails so easily. Where actually, when you hear it with a voice, you hear the emotion and connotations. And this might be the severity of the situation at the time where you you couldn't maybe get that across in an email 
or the urgency or the tone, you could sense so many more emotional values than just the given the written word when I share a audio note. And also, again, coming back to your point about time, Marco, which is we're an always on world. I'm out there walking my dog and my blessed our copywriter, she will get most notes from me on a Saturday morning while I'm walking around the park, capturing all these ideas and sharing with her. So she comes in Monday morning, armed and ready to go. But at the same time, it just means we're so much more accessible. We are connected so much more in an emotional way. We have a much greater emotional understanding and it's really exciting. So actually, yes, voice is in its infancy, but our customers are looking for businesses that are being progressive, trying to serve their needs in new and interesting ways to do things differently, have that competitive edge and make themselves more accessible. And actually, therefore, voice is something to seriously consider for businesses to thrive in the future. The potential of voice for me in the day-to-day application is going to accelerate at a, a substantial rate. The stats that we have, we're already doing it and actually it's only going to accelerate. So actually bringing this into business to support our daily functions will actually drive operational efficiencies and heighten the experience for the employees and their daily practices. So it's a very exciting space. Everybody, this is just a reminder, you're listening to Marketing Trek, powered by Selby Anderson. Well, my final guest on this episode is Harry Radcliffe, an audio producer with a multi-award winning B2B technology marketing agency, Together. And I was really excited to speak to Harry because he specialises in business podcasts and he's got an excellent understanding of how we can use voice and noise to influence and connect with listeners. In our conversation, Harry outlines the importance of niching in the competitive podcast market and he explains why certain sound effects can completely alter our understanding of a video or of a piece of content. But first, let's learn a little bit more about Harry in his own words. Hello, my name is Harry Radcliffe. I am the audio producer at a marketing company called Together in Marlowe. We started this department about three years ago. We work in business-to-business technology marketing, okay? And as a result of that, we make possibly the most boring podcasts that the industry has to offer. Because it was always difficult. How do you make podcasts for a B2B audience. The economy of podcasting is entirely different because if I want to sell my guitar strings, this is easy to do. I can find a podcast about guitars and I can advertise on this. Or I can make a podcast about guitars and guitar listeners are going to follow. It's very difficult to do the same for IT decision makers and this type of thing. But essentially, as opposed to wanting a very, very large audience You really want a smaller audience of very relevant people who then bring your information back to the business. You just want those decision makers, which is fortunate because only decision makers listen to business to business podcasts or future decision makers, because who on earth else would, you know? So we do have a self-selecting audience of influencers and it's actually proving somewhat effective. Often with podcasts, to be honest, Our clients are not at all brave. The conversations I have with them are first trying to convince them that over 20 minutes of content is fine. That is the first hurdle. They say, we'd like a podcast, but for goodness sake, let's keep it short. And I have to say to them, listen, okay, you are making a podcast exclusively for anoraks. That's your only audience. Let's say we are making a podcast on data storage. If you are the type of person that listens to podcasts on data storage, there is very little that a podcast could tell you in 20 minutes that you don't know. 
this is important to be thinking about. You are channeling yourself in an audience of experts. So probably you're like, what am I going to know in 20 minutes of two people talking about data storage? I know this is going to be basic surface level stuff that I'm not interested to. If they see a conversation for an hour and a half on data storage, they go, okay, we're getting in this. We're getting into data storage here. Maybe I'm going to pick up some important stuff. So when we're coming up with a podcast, I've got three criteria for a good idea for a podcast, okay? And if you don't meet these, my alarm bells are going off. We need something achievable. We need something explainable. If I'm in an elevator with you, I'm desperate for you to listen to my podcast, let's say, and you go, what's it about? And I'm like, well, it's these two guys. They're so funny. And they just talk about everything. No, that is the pitch for so many podcasts. Yeah. yeah. And even if they are bloody brilliant podcasts, I don't really go and listen to that unless I really trust your sense of humor or this, that, and the other. There's a hundred podcasts like that. You need to be able to say, look, bang, let's say my dad wrote a porno. Some guy's dad read E.L. James, decided to write his own erotic novel, and they read a chapter every week. There you go explainable and the third thing is repeatable and repeatable indefinitely okay this is where people fall off because clients come to me and they say we would like to make a partner podcast we would like to make a podcast for our partners and we have this conversation and say okay how long would you like it to be how often would you like to release and we say okay every other week and we'll start off with 10 episodes okay fantastic and we'll make them an hour right do you have 10 hours of content to tell your partners over the next eight weeks or whatever? And the answer is very often no. After talking to them for five hours, you know what, actually, I think that's about it for now until something big happens. And then they start going, okay, we're going to open up our audience to developers now. That's the type of thing they do. And they try to change the audience midway through a season and all this stuff. So you need a repeatable format. I then asked Harry about the level of detail he goes into when defining a target audience. And for many, his answer might be quite surprising. So let's have a listen. It's often the case that the subjects are so niche that the audience is obvious because we have brands come to us. And often the case is they are, let's say, a a mobile phone company comes to us and they want to make basically a few podcasts explaining why their rugged device is brilliant for construction sites. We're not going, okay, is your audience 18 to 25-year-old girls? No, we're looking for mainly people that own construction companies, that type of thing. It is fairly obvious to figure out. And then reaching them is often not the easiest bit because it's not always the case that when you're doing some hard manual labor, you want to be listening to something probably quite irreverent and fun. What Harry's saying here makes total sense to me. Like in an oversaturated market, it's easier to find your place in it and your audience when you niche. Go super niche to a subject. So in the final section of today's episode, I wanted to find out how brands can use noises to build relationships and provoke listeners to feel a certain way. Here's Harry's thoughts. What really got me ticking on how interesting and powerful kind of a sonic branding is, is when I swapped banks to Monzo. Monzo the bank is a cracking bank. They only exist online and they got these lovely orange cards, but I'm not here to be a Monzo affiliate. I am here to say that there's one thing I just love that they're doing right now. And I think they were the first, although MasterCard I think is now jumping on board. If you've got your headphones in, your Monzo apps on your phone, you make a payment. It will override whatever you're listening to and play a little ka-ching, something like that. It's like a coin dropping on top of other coins. Like it's a very distinct noise, okay? And it serves two purposes. The first thing I thought is that's great for security. 
Now, if ever I'm out and about and I hear that and I haven't just spent money, I know someone's just spent my money. And then you can go on the app, you can freeze your card immediately. You know, wow, that's great. But perhaps more importantly, every time I make a purchase, I buy a Kit Kat, whatever, Monzo inserts their brand right at that point of purchase when I'm getting that dopamine hit from buying whatever product it is. And that I think is absolutely invaluable. And whoever came up with that is a genius. Because I wondered why I'm not a man that's attached to my bank. I don't care about this. All they do is give me bad news as far as I'm concerned. But Monzo, I was starting to feel warm to after not very long. I just felt like this bank, for some reason, were the good guys. And they liked me. And I couldn't work out why until I realized that I listened to them and they have this little jingle. And every time I'm like, that's my Monzo right there. It's incredibly powerful. I was really interested by it. And phones, I think, are a tremendous example of this. Apple is the one I'm going to choose. You touch the keypad and it's got this very elegant, crisp tap when you type a letter in. And this tells me this is a sensitive, responsive device. Now, if I was their competitor, Samsung, Samsung makes some good rugged devices for building sites and the like. How could you make a device feel sturdier? Well, if instead of like a little tap when you touch those buttons, make it a douche, 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 something like that. And you think, wow, this thing is a sturdy, sturdy device just by changing the noise. It's very interesting what effect noises have on the brain. I saw this on some show that was just playing. My ex-girlfriend's dad was watching it. He's on the sofa and he's watching a silent film of loads of bicycle accidents. It's just silent images of people falling off bicycles. And I thought, wow, this man's insane. <laughs> And But it turns out that's not really what he's doing. He's watching an experiment happen. And then they show the same film again because there's people all in a cinema watching these accidents. And you can see them. They're all so upset that people are falling off these bicycles and hurting themselves. And then they get a second group of people to watch the film again. But this time they add a laugh track and some jaunty music. And everyone's loving them. No one seems to care anymore about these people getting fallen off because... We've been taken to a different emotional space by the music we're listening to. We go, oh, this is okay. This is fine. This is happy. This is all good. So you can really position someone's emotions with that noise. And then I was thinking just before we got on the call, I don't know if you saw the Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury boxing fight. They were showing these highlights a few days before the fight. Oh, I was into it. I was really into it. And they were showing these two big old men punching each other. And what they would do is they'd play this sound of an anvil getting smacked. Every time a punch landed, it would be like, ding! And I'd be like, oh, oh, that looks nasty, you know? And I was considering, what if we played the same promo, okay, for this, for this fight, Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury, or whatever fight you'd like. And whenever a punch lands, we replace that anvil with just like a little clown horn, you know, like a little squeak. And I think it would really change my opinion on whether or not I could take a punch from Tyson Fury. <laughs> I really do. I think it would shift it in a very unrealistic direction. So is there a way to apply that to our products? Boom! What a great episode. Thank you so much to Marco, Dan and Harry for sharing your time with me today, for coming to speak to us at Turnmill Studios, which you can find at turnmillstudios.co.uk. My key takeaways from this episode. Audio, there's a huge amount of buzz and enthusiasm about it right now, but I don't think we haven't even begun to see its full potential. So brands and companies need not only to begin to take advantage of the commercial potential of voice through audio branding or advertising, but, but also to begin utilizing voice as a tool, a tool to assist and train staff, a tool to improve processes, and a tool to be more accessible. 
Lastly, sound can change the way that you interpret other things, like videos. It can stimulate more emotion than visual can. It can be more memorable and more thought-provoking. If you're a brand or professional who could be using audio and isn't, you may have a problem. Hopefully today's episode will encourage you to take your first step towards fixing it. Next week on Marketing Trek, I sit down with Steve Millman from Dynator to explore cookies. On the show, we discuss exactly what cookies are and how marketers have been using them. Steve explains the difference between third and first party cookies, and we get the scoop on an amazing innovation Steve has designed that's going to help redefine how we use cookies in the future. Don't miss this one. It is really honestly fabulous and it'll blow your mind. See you there. I am deeply grateful to you for listening to this episode of Marketing Trek. I know your time is extraordinarily precious because mine is too, but I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, I would be very grateful if you would please subscribe on whatever your favorite channel is, but I'd be even more grateful if you'd write us a review. If you don't want to do that publicly, you can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Dom Hawes at Selby Anderson. Please send me a connection request and please send me a message and I would be delighted to receive feedback, both good and bad. This podcast was recorded at Terminal Studios. You can find that at terminalstudios.co.uk and the show was produced by Selby Anderson. You can find us at selbyanderson.com. Thank you. Thank you.